this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 14, Episode 5. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is the prodigal son, Theo. Welcome back, Theo. We're so glad you're back. Let me me just say, for for all those who are considering, you know, working on a PhD and things of that nature, take my word for it. Don't. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Just don't. Unless you really, really, really want to. All right. So we have a ton to cover this week. Two issues of Detective Comics in Shadows of the Bat and the final issue of the first Josh Williamson arc in Batman. So we just have a little bit of news. Uh, right after we recorded, there was the announcement that in July, Chip Zdarsky is going to be taking over the main Batman book. And he says he's going to be there for a long time, which is very exciting to me. Steph and I recorded an episode of TBU Extra, but as Theo was still working on his PhD, uh, we were not able to get his thoughts. So I was hoping he would share a few of them briefly here. Well, I, I followed Zdarsky you know, primarily at Marvel. Now, of course, he did some of the, you know, he did the main story in uh, Urban Legends with Jason, which was really good. And he did a couple of uh, nice stories in black and white and some of the other anthologies. But if he does Batman the way he recently wrote Daredevil, I, I think the Batman universe will be in some good hands um, because what he did with Daredevil was absolutely stunning. So um, we shall see. I am on board for now, but we shall see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we we just have one preview image, and I guess we've seen a couple of more images uh, that Jorge Jimenez, who is announced to be on art, has released on his Instagram, but. Um, Obviously, we don't have any real sense of what the actual book's going to be like. But yeah, go check out our TBU Extra if you're a Patreon member um, to hear what Steph and I thought. And without any more ado, let's get to our reviews, starting with Detective Comics 1055. Detective Comics number 1055, Story 1, The Tower, Part 9. Written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Amake Noelpin. Our story begins in this day 24 again, as we're reminded of the death that Tobias wear at the hands of Siphon and Avulsion and Nero 19. Outside of the tower, Kate and Cass are still trying to coordinate with Oracle on getting past the tower's security system to get inside to help the trapped Nightwing, Steph, and Huntress. At the scene of where's window toss, 
the murderous trio is readying themselves for an escape. While they feel that they have the upper hand, and the devotion reminds them of the voice that's been in their head all this time. They need to find that voice. Little do they know that the voice in their heads, Psycho Pirate, is unconscious and being carried by Nightwing down an elevator shaft. He intends on keeping Psycho Pirate out of the inmate's hands. And the Vulcan decides they need another ace in their hand. She just needs to find her, the mayor's wife. Having her as a hostage would definitely give them the upper hand with Mayor Nakano as they press their demands. She flashes back to when she last saw Kuyiki Nakano. Anna almost had her in her grasp until Hunter stopped her. Luckily, the meager man was able to take care of the intervening Huntress, tossing her to a demise down an elevator shaft after stabbing her in the side. Little did Anna know that Helena survived and it's pulling herself back up the shaft. Hunter struggles as she gets more violent visions of Anna and the inmates attacking others. As Huntress pulls herself out of the elevator shaft, an iceberg zips past her. It's Mr. Freeze. As he gives chase, Mr. Freeze demands to know the identity of the person controlling him and the inmates. Freeze grabs Huntress, but before he inflicts any pain on her, Nightwing arrives. As Nightwing confronts Mr. Freeze, Psycho Pirate awakens and gets away. Nightwing attempts to catch him, but he's kicked by Mr. Freeze, sliding along a sheet of ice until he falls down a hole in the floor. Hunter disposes of Mr. Freeze, but is unable to get to Nightwing before he falls down the hole. Koyuki runs down a dark hall, worried about her husband and herself. As she wonders where to go next, she suddenly grabs from behind. Nakano finds herself sitting across from Psycho Power. He finds himself sad. He was supposed to keep everyone safe, and he failed. Because he failed, his best friend is now dead. Now, they're all likely to die, and there's nothing he can do about it. Nightwing finds himself tied up. Wake up. Back in Dr. Ware's office, Siphon and the Mega Man are looking out of the broken window. They will get their demands met and Gotham will pay for what they have done to him. A voice is heard from behind as a flash bomb goes off. Siphon doesn't have what it takes to lead this uprising. Gotham tried to cure them, but there is no cure. For fear, it's time for the Scarecrow to get his revenge. Alright, so first things first, we have our new artist, Amenke Noelpan. Uh, what do you think about this last four-issue artist compared to our previous artist of Max Rayner and our first artist of Ivan Ries? Oh, you're wanting me to remember things? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. It's kind of important in 12-issue uh, storylines. Oh, uh, well. Uh, I would say I think the colors, because the, the, the story has changed so much, a change in artist is better now i think because now it's very much emergency lighting and intense action it's just a different type i think of part of the story than we've had so far so the change in artist is definitely this is a good place to do it and i think uh, it suits well i think it fits well with the art style of the previous ones but isn't you know exactly the same and it actually reminds me a lot more of the 
the line art, I think, reminds me a lot more of the backup. Um, so, in that way, it kind of all fits together. And they're starting to converge, if you will. <laughs> Although I still don't know who the boy is, for sure. So, one of the things that I said in putting my review together for this issue, uh, with regards to the art, is that it seemed as we've gone from from trimester to trimester, from the first four issues to where we are now. The the tier of the artist seems to have gone down. Now, that's not me saying that the art is bad. It, it's, it's okay. But considering where we began with Yvonne Reese and considering where Detective started out at with Dan Moore, you know, things have kind of gone down as far as quality. Again, the art is still good. I think part of the part of the reason that the art has still been great uh, has to do with the coloring, and with the exception of the of the four issues that Max Rayner did. You know the other the other issues all had that one colorist being Jody Belair, who is the best in my opinion. Um, so you know it, 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 that helps with the consistency, but you know the tier of the artist has gone down, and again that's no that's no knock against either Max Rayner or uh, Amon K, but. But when you compare them to who they've come after, there's just been some downgrading. But again, the art's still pretty damn good. Yeah, I completely agree that um, it feels like they start off with kind of like an artistic bang, and then uh, they've picked really good collaborators, but this is my own personal bias, and I know that's scheduling and maybe even artistic preferences are against this but i've always wished that if they do this instead of scheduling your your biggest name artist for the the early issues the whole time i'd rather they split it up so that the the big name artist can do like the first two issues and then the last two issues and then it feels like it sort of comes full circle um artistically you know what i'm saying yeah. yeah, agreed. Either that, or if you're going to have a big name artist, have the big name artist at the end. You know, yeah, so it you, feels like you, a finale. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and again, I I agree with you. It's not that I dislike Max Rayner or Amenque at all. Uh, I think that they're very good artists, and I think there's a lot of really great moments in this issue, uh, especially with you know Huntress uh, fighting Mister Freeze and the. I mean, that's a really brutal fight, and I think it's really well done. But I look at just the, the spreads and the, the power of the the action that Ivan Rees did in those first four issues, and I'm like, what if he could be the one that we're moving towards in the finale? Um, so, just kind of my thought. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought it. Uh, <laughs> makes me feel like I'm not the only person. Um, no, I... I, I, I would agree with you guys that this is not the caliber um, that we started with, but it is by no means bad. In it, like, 
I, I can't point out to anything that's just like, this is this is not good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes the small faces in the background are a little weird. But but that's the case with lots of artists. I mean. Yeah, it's hard to draw small. <laughs> All right. Um, I noticed that Nightwing seems to get knocked out or captured or beaten up a lot in this uh, this storyline. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a commentary on that, or is it built up believably throughout the story? Um, I think so. I mean, he's the one who's front and center in the beginnings of the complete chaos. I mean, Helena's stabbed. Steph is alone and trying to keep frantic people under wraps. He's the only one kind of bouncing around in the chaos. It's it's funny. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> well, he also, I mean, yeah, here's he, a he got knocked out when you know the the first time pirate lost control when they were all in the cafeteria. That's true. And he also yeah. was the one who came upon Psycho Pirate and was under his direct control for you know several minutes. I think that's just I, I'm I would say it is believable because having. Actually, my husband and I were talking about this the other day, like how a lot of times male heroes don't get accused of being Mary Sue's, only girls do, and that guys have to always be perfect, <laughs> and we don't care. And so when a guy isn't always perfect, it's like, it's all, that's almost what we talk about. It's like, oh, he didn't know what he was doing. It's like, no, it's, it's he's a human being. He fell. It's okay. <laughs> he's he's Nightwing. That's what he does. He falls. <laughs> and he gets back up. That's a good point. Uh, what do you think, Theo? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I said, you know, already, you know, it, 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 it just, someone has to be, I guess, to use the term, the sacrificial lamb of the, <laughs> of the plot. And, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's our boy Richard, Rick, Uber Rick, Dick. <laughs> Please no. He's not Uber Rick anyway. Thank goodness. Uh, then you know, so 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 be it. Somebody has to be in that role, and and I would prefer it. I would prefer it be him. To and I, and, I, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. To kind of go along with Steph says, you know, even the strongest of them all can can sometimes fall and, you know, make mistakes, you know, and, and that's what we find him doing. You know, so again, I hope I don't get in trouble by calling Nightwing the strongest of the ball, you know, <laughs> of, the, of the other Bat family, of the, of the Bat sibling. I mean, he's the only other one who's 80 years old, so even <laughs> though he's not my favorite, I think he's definitely the most veteran and experienced, for sure. Um... I noticed in your review, Theo, you had some really interesting comments about the villains that Tamaki's developed. Um, do you think that these villains, you know, Anna Volshin, uh, what, what's the other guy's name? The guy with the glasses? That's Cypher. Oh, Cypher. Cypher. Siphon. Cypher. Um, Whatever. Uh, Psycho Pirate, of course. Um, and um, <laughs> the Party Crashers. Uh, party Crashers are more just bodies to fight, but like... Do you think that these are worthy foes for the whole Bat family? Does it feel like if Batman were doing this alone, he would be able to do it easily? Or do you think that this is a good group of villains that pose a serious threat to the to the Bat family? 
if if you would have asked me this before I started reviewing the final issues of this series, I could probably go along and say, um, yeah. Now, granted, close your ears, plug your ears up, Steph. No, don't spoil. I need to edit this for the public. (laughs) Some will die. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yes, some will die, but I... I do like the idea of creating these characters, especially if we know that you know that they can that they're gonna hang around and actually play a part, be something meaningful in the future. Like I really think I really think that Anna Vulcan could be a really good rogue um, for several members of the family, whether it's whether it's Steph, whether it's Kate, hell, you know, call Babs out every once in a while, you know. That was a that was a really good character that she put together. Um we don't know much history of Siphon other than what we got in that one issue when Kate and Batman took him down. Uh, you know, and we don't know much of Domega Man, you know, other than from that one issue with um, in the annual. That was the annual, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she she obviously had put some good pieces in place to that where these these folks can can really cause some trouble because you know. At one point in time, there was always this thing that you know the rest of the Bat Family didn't have their their own personal villains. You know, they were always leeching off of Batman's Rogues Gallery. But you know, Tamaki's done a good job with developing these foes, and I could I could see them giving some of our favorite Bat siblings trouble down the line. All right, let's move on to our backup. Story number two, House of Gotham, Part 9. Written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Fernando Blanco. At the Wayne Court Rehab Center, the boy struggled with his physical therapy. His therapist insists that he practice with his cane more instead of playing sword fighting. Suddenly, the building begins to shake violently. It's an earthquake. As they attempt to get out, a huge bookshelf falls on top of the therapist, killing him. As the survivors get to the roof, they find Gotham damaged beyond recognition. It's become a no-man's land. Weeks later, the boy and a friend are looking for food. They hit an abandoned food store but find it empty. As they head back to camp, the boy hands his hungry friend a piece, a piece of stale bread. It isn't much, but it'll keep her from starving. As they arrive at their camp, they see something is wrong. The camp's food has been taken by some monster. Poet isn't pleased, and he has been taking it out on everybody. The boy isn't immune to this backlash. As the poet grabs him and tells him he's going to find the food that was stolen and bring it back. The boy agrees. That evening, the boy leads a team of others into the sewers 
the search for the monster and the stolen food. It doesn't take long before the monster, Killer Croc, finds them instead. Some begin to run, but not fast enough that Croc grabs the boy's friend. He demands Croc put her down, and he hits Croc with a steel pipe. The boy talks to Croc, asking him why he would steal the food. But there's another option, he said. Instead of killing him and his friends and continue to have enemies, he could stand with them and have others watch his back. Back at the camp, the boy and some of the team return with part of the stolen food. Poet still isn't pleased and takes out his frustration on the boy after he tells him that he struck a deal with Croc. No deal can be struck without Poet being included. Little does he know, he's actually a part of the deal. There's a growl behind him. So we have here an interesting transition. Um, the boy up to this point has been a follower, but here he's become kind of a leader. Uh, do you buy this transformation? Um, I think so. I think every human being is given the choice every moment of their life, and he's just tired. Tired. He's he's just learning that there literally is no one he can rely on but himself. I I I can see it. I don't think there was a very good show of transition to this role, but I think it's a realistic one. With a lot of off paneling. A lot of off paneling, but that's okay. Years have gone by. He's taller now. <laughs> he has whiskers. He has whiskers. It would be nice to know exactly how old he is, simply so we could stop calling him damn boy. Well, boy. if you if you don't call if you if you know how old he is, then you actually have to start figuring out how old the Robins are and how old Batman <laughs> is. And DC's never gonna actually do that. Of course. Um they should, but they won't. <laughs> Alright, so um Yeah. Out of five freeze rays what would you give this issue of Detective Comics? Hmm. Three and a half. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> I gave it a four on the site. I am going to stick with that. I'm also going to give it a 3.5. So that gives us a total of 3.67 and a mode of 3.5. Detective Comics, number 1056. Story 1. The Tower, part 10, written by Marigo Tamaki with art by Amake Nolpen. Kuiki Nakano sits with Psycho Pirate, reminiscing about past events. Fear has always been a part of her life. She doesn't know how to rid herself of it. It's like poison. Psycho Pirate is in a depressed state as well. He let Tobias wear Talkman to the Arkham Tower scheme, and now where his best friend is dead. Back on the top floor, Scarecrow, the meager man, and the party crashers plan their next move. Scarecrow is not worried about Nightwing, who is still affected by the fear tox. The rest of the Bat family, however, are roaming the tower. Scarecrow sends the crashers to find them. The remaining members of the Bat family are scattered throughout the tower. On the upper floor, Huntress has dispatched the Mr. Freeze using his own gun to freeze him in place. Once down, she realizes she needs to get the security system down in order to get more help in. 
She takes off to find it and to find any other members of the family who might be in there with her. Steph is in one of the sub-basements of the tower. She's trying to lead the remaining staff and guests to safety. Now, if they would only be quiet so as not to draw attention to themselves. Elsewhere, Dr. Chase Meridian remains tied up and alone in the infirmary. But she's not alone anymore. She is joined by the party crasher, looking to serve her up to the scarecrow. Before they deliver her to him, however, they're going to have a little fun, which is just what Harley Quinn was looking for. Surprise! Fake Harley was actually true Harley all along. <laughs> she uses Dr. Meridian's phone to call Batwoman. Kate instructs Harley to take down the security system and make sure the doctor remains safe. Before leaving, Harley gives Dr. Meridian a gun. As Huntress approaches the security room, she's attacked by the Mega Man. The fight allows Harley to enter the security room without any resistance. Following Oracle's instructions, she uses a mallet to destroy the security console. The tower's security system is down. An oracle sends in the cavalry. In the sub-basement, party crashers approach Steph and the tower staff. Steph prepares to fight alone, but, is she, but then she is joined by Robin, Tim Drake, who begins to take out the party crashers one by one. Scarecrow looks out of, a broken, out of the broken window over the streets of Gotham. The phone rings. It's Mayor Nakano wanting to know the demands. I want nothing, Scarecrow says. He's only taken advantage of the situation that was given to him. He brings Nightwing to the window and leans him out. As Oracle scrambles everyone who can, who can respond to the top floor to save Nightwing, Scarecrow drops Nightwing from the window. Batwoman swings in, grabbing the rope wrapped around Nightwing's body. She has him until she doesn't, and Nightwing continues to fall. Right into the waiting arms of Batman. He's returned to Gotham. He's returned home. Koyuki and Psycho Pirate continue their talk. The mayor's wife wonder when things are going to end. But Psycho Pirate doesn't. They realize they're no longer alone. An avulsion stands before them welding the gun. Things are just getting started, she says. And she fired. So, uh, first things first, we have the return of Freeze immediately after, um, of course, his big appearance in Fear State. Um, Steph mentioned this at the end of our last... Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Wait, what did I say? Mr. Freeze. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, why are we talking about him? (laughs) He's nobody. He's nobody. The return of Scarecrow after... (laughs) Um, fear the state. fear state. Uh, how do you think he's portrayed here? Does it? I remember back when Robin War happened. I was really mad because um, in Batman Eternal, Lincoln March was a huge part of that storyline, and he was put in suspended animation at the end of the storyline by the Court of Owls. And then, just like let's see, it was it was less than a year later they pop him out, and he's a villain again. I'm just like. Why would you do this? And this is a much shorter time. I mean, we just finished up Fear State in November. This is less than six months later. But does this feel 
how do you feel about Scarecrow being a big part of this issue here? Well, I definitely didn't expect it. Like, that was... That was fun. And yeah, there is that initial kind of shock of, what is he doing here? You you had your moment. <laughs> but I don't know. I kind of liked it. It kind of shows that, you know, just because we can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Like, what did happen to him? Batman took him somewhere, right? I don't even remember where. Was it Arkham? It was probably Arkham. <laughs> like, it makes sense for him to be there. Yeah, he was at Arkham know. in that uh, one shot. Yeah. Yeah, when when when... When he when I first read it and, and and saw he was there, I'm like, why are we doing this again? But then I remembered um, Fifth State Omega, where you know Batman brings him to to the tower and and basically hands him off to Chase. So him popping up kind of makes sense because he was always there, mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it just it, it brings everything just full circle. Now, I don't think this is going to... I mean, this, this obviously isn't going to be a continuation of Fear State, considering all of those pieces are no longer available. But uh, I, I can understand him being in the position he's in now. And I don't know... I don't know if... I don't want to call it lazy writing, because it's not. But it's a different type of storytelling when in like a show or a video game or, or whatever, you think you've moved on to the next arc and it's like, haha, actually no you haven't, or we're still in this world all along, so of course this, you know, whoever's gonna show up. So it's I don't know, it kinda takes you by surprise, but you feel bad that you took you by surprise because it's like, well of course Scarecrow was at Arkham and now we're at Arkham. Of course that makes sense. So I don't know. I do kinda like that where it's like you you're le- led into a false sense of security and then bam Scarecrow. I mean, it, it also reminds me of the, the Dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan, you know, because Scarecrow was a big part of the first movie, and then he just pops up in small parts in the next two movies. <laughs> I know, right? So it's it's like, this is the same world. It's not like a brand new world after James Tynan, you know, stopped writing Batman. Scarecrow's still around. What he did still happened, and he was put in the tower, so it makes sense that if the tower... Uh, you know, goes down, their their system goes down, he would have a reaction to that. So I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, but I did wonder, does it feel like, oh, we're seeing him again? I can definitely see if people had a bad taste in their mouth about it and felt that was, I don't know, lazy or stupid or whatever, that is, I think that would be fair and understandable. But I liked it. I will say, and this is um, with all due respect to JT, um, how Tamaki's handling Scarecrow thus far just seems so much more sinister. And maybe maybe I'm biased to Tamaki <laughs> at this point, you know, <laughs> being that she's been on um, Detective all this time. But I, I love the way she presents him. Yeah, me too. I he think... was definitely scarier in this one, I think, than the last one. I think he does a. I think she does a very good job with him for sure. What do you think about all the Bat family coming out of the woodwork at this climax? So not just Batman, of course, although he makes the biggest impression as he should. But you know, we've got Tim Drake showing up, and Batwoman is making her way back from talking to the mayor. Um, does it feel like uh, a necessary thing, or do you think that the people who are already involved could have handled it fine? Oh no, the Bat family! Like this is what we live for, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> this is what we clamor for. I I think it's it's great. Um, and I think it makes sense, especially if they're saying that they couldn't get in because of the um, the uh, security the system. security system being up or whatever. I think that's fair. It makes sense. Yeah, the and I know we're going to discuss it more, but the craziest part about it, I absolutely love the idea, and you know it would, it, it, yeah, it, it was great, but the. Fake Holly was actually real Holly all along. <laughs> that was the best. That was the best. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait, what? Because I was just scratching my head. It's like, there's there's Steph. She's the only blonde. Who else could it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, cause, cause, I mean, at one point, very early, you know, there was talk that uh, Steph was the was the fake Holly until mm-hmm. we had the scene where you know she she's in the cave. So we're like, okay, well, who's fake Holly? You know, that's just somebody that's planted there because she actually believes she's Holly Quinn, and yeah, she believes she's Holly Quinn because <laughs> she actually is. <laughs> How about that for a How about that? <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. I love it. Well, let's move on to that question, because Harley's not the only person who's been in disguise. We have Harley. Um, Steph has been wandering around in civilian disguise for the last couple mm-hmm. issues. Uh, Batwoman is wandering around as Dr. Frau, and Nightwing is wandering around as a... Uh, I don't remember what his title was, but as, he's... As Dick Grayson. <laughs> Even what... Millionaire janitor. <laughs> Billionaire janitor. Billionaire wow. janitor. I don't know where they get the idea of, of of their undercover disguise. Now, granted, Kate was okay. You know, she, of course, nobody you know knows her with her mask, especially considering her her cow part of it is the wig anyway. So, her and and that distinct that that different hairstyle, you know, allowed. Her disguise to be okay, but Dick. I mean, Anna Volshin walks up right behind him. I remember you, little birdie. Well, duh. You know, <laughs> Mister Freeze grabs Helena, Huntress. Huh? Yes, on. that actually. I actually thought about that. I was like, how does he know that? I did I wonder mean, about that. I mean, the only thing that that hits me in my mind as a possible reason is that um, that was some type of connection to Psycho Pirate and perhaps Psycho Pirate knew the identities and because he did it somehow got to the others but I'm just like geez I could do better disguises than that and get away with it Hell, did, did did nobody see Bruce's matches Malone? <laughs> <laughs> I saw him in uh, Tynan's detect in Tynan's uh, Batman run when he was wandering around as Match Malone meeting Miracle Molly. Yeah, it, the, the idea of disguises for them—if there was anything that was poor about this event, it it, it was that. Yeah, I think that would be fair. Uh, what do you think, Steph? 
No, I would agree. Like, that's that's the one thing that I was a little. Why does everyone know everyone's identity? I don't understand. <laughs> that was a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and granted, it seems, and we and we've complained about this many a times, not just in the Batman universe, but in comics in general. For some reason, especially with DC, it doesn't seem like. I, secret identities mean much anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's pretty sad. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I prefer it when a secret identity isn't too big of a part of the the, the narrative. I but I do think that they've gotten a little unnecessarily careless about them in the last five years. I would say. Does the cliffhanger of Anavulsion shooting? Um, one of the two characters that she was talking to, does that feel um, like a real challenge or does it feel um, does it bother you as a cliffhanger? Does it feel sort of manipulative? Um, I mean, as someone who has existed and partook in media and cliffhangers for many years, um, there's not just two options. There's it's a warning shot. It's Anavulsion got shot. It's Psycho Pirate got shot, which you know some people on the server would be excited about. Um, uh, in the Bat family, in the Bat fandom, Bat fandom would be excited about. It could be. Uh, oh, it's not Yuki. Koyuki. Yeah. Koyuki. Um, that would be so sad because she's like the one character I was wanting to follow through the storyline and I finally got to see her storyline and you know what I was actually so I was actually thinking she in this issue became more than just Nakano's wife with depression like she had a lot of dialogue and a lot of part I felt like in this issue I felt like she actually became a character um that I liked and I mean she's very weak and sad and tired but you know, she's a human being. And so there is this heightened thing of DC world building wise. The only one it could realistically be is Koyuki. But I don't think I don't think anyone actually got shot or if they did, it's not fatal. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, and I definitely don't think it's her considering, it, you know, the main reason Anna was looking for her was to get an upper hand on the Kano. So, either either a psychopath got a gun, or he might be taking a bullet or two. And that's okay. It's just psychopirates. It's just psychopirates. <laughs> <laughs> he is what he is. Alright, let's move on to our backup. So, so, so wait, I, I, oh. I have a question as well. Yes. So, Again, that that Batman Return was probably the most Batman Return of Batman Returns I've read in a while. <laughs> was just Batman right there. But in that panel before, when you when you see the Batwing in the background, did you actually think it was him, or did you, did you think it could have possibly been someone else? I thought it was going to be someone else. Like I had just read Batman One Twenty One or whatever it was. And so I was thinking, it, he so he was leaving that to come help them, I think. 
But then in that issue, it just swapped right to the epilogue of of this one or the post post. Anyway, so I was just I don't know. It, I, I was I was convinced it could have been anyone. And see, I thought it may have been Damien because <gasps> we we knew that Damien was already coming back to Gotham after that last issue of Robin, where he has mm-hmm. the the Lazarus resin. So. Mm-hmm. I, at first, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, Robin's in town. This must be him. And he ended up, Damien saving Dick would have been so sweet. That, that would have been th- indeed pretty awesome. Yeah, that would have been awesome. But, I mean, I think what we got was awesome, too. No, it was oh, very awesome. That was, that was awesome. I, I, I have no problem admitting that I, I, I quoted Barbara when I got to that panel. <laughs> blankety 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 hell yeah blankety 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 hell <laughs> All right. and I forget I think it was Theo I feel like it was Theo because I don't know whatever someone mentioned on the cast a while back like would Babs come back to bat, be Batgirl if Dick was in trouble um and I think here we get the answer, whereas obviously there's not enough time and she couldn't have suited up. And according to Batgirl, she's still in the wheelchair half the time. But she did have a severe, like, emotional response. Like, she was not Oracle in these moments. She was she was a girlfriend. Barbara. Yeah. Babs. Very much Babs. Um, all right, let's move on to our backup. Story number two, House of Gotham, part ten. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Fernando Blanco. Gotham continues to live under no man's land. On the Gotham north side, the boy leads a band of followers through the Gotham waters, looking for food. They find it in a warehouse controlled by the Penguin. As they get their fill of food, they take more and other supplies to the city and bring them to Leslie Tompkins' clinic where she is taking care of the sick and hungry. As Killer Croc enters, carrying a box of goods, Dr. Tompkins tells the boy that Croc isn't wanted there. If he returns, and Croc and any other violent criminal is with him, the doors will be closed to them. As he leaves to search for more food and supplies, his friend Sana tells him there's a woman who might be able to help. Outside of Robinson Park, the boy meets with Helena, who tells him that there's a train station Black Mask is using as a warehouse to hide things. Food would be there as well, she tells him. That evening, the boy and others make their way through through to the train station. They don't find any food, but they do find Huntress waiting on them. She isn't alone either. Batman steps out of the shadows and confronts the boy on everything he's been doing. The boy attacks Batman, blaming him for everything he's been through, including his life in Arkham and on the streets of Gotham City. He lectures Batman about how those who follow him are those that the people of Gotham have left behind. He steals food and medicine to assist those in need. Huntress confronts the boy, but she is stopped. It's time to go, Batman says. They've made a mistake. But before leaving, he tells the boy that he will not bother him as long as he continues to help the needy and innocent. Once the city recovers, 
the boy's time is done. Batman the Huntress leaves the boy as he falls to his knees in grief. So, first question. Do Batman and Huntress seem like they're acting in character or out of character so that we can push the boy further away from Batman? I don't know. I feel like this is something that might happen if Batman thought there was a rogue of baddies walking around and he didn't know how else to, to confront them. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's 100% out of character. It is a little strange. It is not his M.O., but it's not out of his, I don't know, toolbox, I guess. It is... Um, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> it is It is definitely strange if, if you have read No Man's Land, especially if you've read No Man's Land as many times as, as I have. Um, considering it's one of my favorite events. It's one of the best um, events. Oh, yes. Um, and I don't know if it was absolutely necessary because I don't think you really need to do much to push the boy's hatred of Batman. You know, I, I just think, you know, it's been there from the moment his parents die and the the more he grows the more that hate continues to build up so I don't know if it would I, I, I don't know if they needed to change because yeah where it is is probably a good word to use for it but I don't think they needed I don't think Rosenberg needed to make that change in order to move the story forward because the hatred has always been there. But is it a hatred push or is it an insanity push? Because I don't feel like the boy's insane yet. He just really hates Batman. And if this is, in fact, Nero, he's not insane yet. Uh, he's, he, he is, he, he's not. It's definitely a hatred. A, yeah. pure, a pure hatred. I feel like it's a bit out of character. Um, I like, I really like the the way it starts with Helena meeting the boy um, in her civilian garb. Although it's once again another, it's like, why does everybody know everyone's secret identity? <laughs> um, but like, I love her concern for young people because she's a teacher. Like that's a big part of her character. And um, I thought that uh, Fernando Blanco drew a really great Huntress. But the writing, like, Huntress does have, like, a hot-headed personality. She does tend to jump to conclusions. But, like, this just felt like it was too extreme. Um, and I think Batman was a little too cold. And No Man's Land is so big, you can make justifications for maybe this happened after something bad happened in No Man's Land, so Batman was feeling cold. But, I don't know. I felt it was a little out of character to push the boy away. I feel like maybe you could argue that it's from the boy's perspective and that's not really what happened. It's just what he, he felt happened. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was a little weaker in that aspect, but still compelling for sure. As a big fan of No Man's Land, I know Theo and I definitely are. Um, do you think that these two issues expand? Do you think they could slot into like the Batman Chronicles, the short story anthology that was published during No Man's Land. Uh, do you think these could have been slotted in there? What do you think, Theo? You, 
you could not without I, I don't know how it would have been possible without knowing Du Bois history. You know, to just to just have some random kid you know, just popping Batman upside his head because of all the grief he gave him in life. I, 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 it definitely, to me, I don't think it, it expands the universe much because it would have left a whole bunch of open questions that could not have been answered without getting the previous nine chapters that we yeah, I think that's fair. What if, for example, they had published these, like, some version of his backstory in, say, the showcase issues? I mean, there were plenty of vehicles to have these backstory stories happen. I mean, you could have had something in Batman Chronicles around the time of Nightfall, and you could have, because, you know, at the Nightfall issues, and then you could have had, like, one or two one-shots that sort of contain the same material if that had happened do you think that these stories could have published in no man's land i mean yeah but it i don't think it would have done much to expand the universe okay okay fair enough what do you think steph does this make you more or less interested in no man's land or how does it make you feel Um, about that era a little bit more i mean if we're just going by what's presented in this backup there's a lot of batman history (laughs) oh yeah like (laughs) You could. There's a whole library of stuff. I could be busy for weeks. Um, weeks? Oh no! <laughs> More like years. <laughs> oh no! Eighty years of history. No, but I meant sitting down and getting through all this stuff. Um, maybe a little bit. I don't know. When stories get a certain size, I lose focus. <laughs> Are you, so if, are you are you um, trying to tell us that you did not like No Man's Land? I've never read No Man's Land. It's too big. I'm going to cry. <laughs> you should at least try to read the, the novelization or listen to the audiobook of the novelization. It's uh, really the good. The audiobook of the novelization. I'll see what I can find. Well, I mentioned the audiobook because it's like got full actors and music and sound effects. Oh, that's cool. You've never read No it's a big honking story yeah i mean across you know all of the bat books you know similar to did you were you did you ever read nightfall no i've never read nightfall i'm such a bad bat bat fan no it's uh like i said these are big honking stories and they are they're 20 to 30 years old at this point I think I think Nightfall. I mean, I think um, No Man's Land was bigger with, than Nightfall, was it not? Well, Nightfall is collected in it three omnibuses, like- and No Man's Land is collected in. I think I think it's actually also collected in three omnibuses. So I'd say they're probably about yeah. comparable. Because I've only seen I've only seen the the trade paperback. So if there's an omnibus for no man's land i need to find that they're just starting to cut them they just did the the uh the road to no man's land omnibus i think that came out last year so i think they're going to build up to the two i think they're planning on two uh no man's land omnibuses coming out in the next couple years 
Amazon. I... <laughs> Don't give Amazon your money. <laughs> uh, in stock trades does tend to have better bargains than Amazon. I found for comics. What does so so? I do. I, I go to in stock a lot because uh, I also get my floppies from DCBS. Um, but does in stock have omnibus? Yeah, they do. Some of them. <gasps> Do you know where I get my used books? Abe Abe books? Oh yeah? I get really good deals there. I've gotten a lot of a lot of trade paperbacks there. Oh right. other books. Real books. <laughs> well, I think we've got a little off off topic, but uh, let's bring it back around to our rating for this issue. When you hear when you hear one of your colleagues say that they've <laughs> never read probably the best Batman event. Ever. Uh, it's really it, great. It depresses. It makes me sad. Batman No Man's Land Omnibus Volume One is a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much what you get. All right. So, let us rate Detective Comics out of five Batwing rescues. Five Batwing rescues. Um, I really like this one. Four. Four out of five. I gave this a four and a half. <gasps> strictly. Strictly based on the return of the Dark Knight. That was just, like I said, the most Batman of Batman returns you can you can put on a page. So I'm going to stick with my four and a half. All right, I'm going to give it a four. I think that entrance was amazing as well. And that gives us a total of 4.17 and a mode of four. So, Whether you are a first-time TVU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. All right, Batman number 121, written by Joshua Williamson. Art by Mikel Janine and Jose Molina. Colors, I think, colors are by Jordi Belair. Could be Tomu Mori, though. Years ago, when Bruce announced Batman Incorporated, Lex Luthor started his own project across Asia. In the present, Batman, Lex, and Kaya, the Batanesian cop, face off against Bit, Abyss and Batman Incorporated. After a few blows, Batman gives a verbal signal, and Batman Incorporated turns on Abyss causing him to flee after he tells his backstory, the result of Lex's experiments to create his own Batman Inc. in poor countries. A Batman Inc. without restraint and without ethics. Batman takes Luther's anti-Abyss technology to beat Abyss down, 
but the anti-hero slash anti-villain escapes once again. Loser is forced to walk away from Batman Incorporated, and the team and Batman bond over their similarities. Oracle calls Batman to help with Shadows of the Bat, and after the Tower adventure ends, Bruce thanks Barbara. He calls up Ghostmaker, leading into the Batman annual. We see Kaya the Batanesian detective exploring Luther's experimental facilities, and Deathstroke prepares for war. So, uh, basic question. What did you like about this conclusion to the arc and the arc in general? I liked, I liked Lex's suit, which was very shiny. I liked that Lex was evil the whole time about everything, because that is what Lex does. And even though that's predictable and boring, I enjoyed that, because I don't like him. Um, I liked that it, that it ended... <laughs> I liked that Batman Inc. wasn't evil, even though I did not care. And uh, I liked that this happy family was hugging, even though we don't really know who they are. I guess it's one of the kidnapped people. Kids, whatever. Um, And, oh, I like that. I forgot that Bao is going to be in the annual with Ghostmaker, so I'm slightly more excited about the annual. So it made me slightly more anticipatious of the annual. And... Um, I thought that uh, Deathstroke was uh, Red Hood. So when I talked to you guys about this, I was happy that that was not Red Hood at the end, and I forgot that that was Deathstroke. And that, that is it. That's what I like about it. See? I can find positive things. I'm a positive person. So, I'm not too positive, because I am not happy about the annual, because I, I know I've said this before, I really wanted Val to be in the Outsiders. Man, I thought. True. I thought that that the way that story ended with him and and Tim was really good, so I would have been okay with those two. There's still hope for that. The annual is just one issue; it's not a series. Yeah, but I mean, we know from the articles on Sadowski that Tim is going to be hanging with Batman more. Yeah, but maybe Bow will too. Didn't say he's not. I think you only give so much away before they start. Michael. I shall stay optimistic and die optimistic. You will be the optimistic one of the group. <laughs> we, we 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 will continue to lean on our ever loving not history with DC. If <laughs> you watch that Simpsons episode where the pig that Homer is grilling goes flying, and every time something horrible happened to the pig, Homer goes, "It's still good. It's still good." It's just horrible. More and more horrible things happen to the pig. It's still good. It's gone, Homer. I know. <laughs> just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. It's good. I know. That's me. I'm Homer, and you guys are Bart. So I think the the thing I could say I liked about this issue was the interactions between Bruce and Barbara. I thought that was a good little moment. Uh, and the way he remembered her when he was, you know, fighting Abyss. And then he thanked her at the end. I thought that was a nice moment of, of character development that I wish we'd see more often. Um, that's about it, honestly, for me. <laughs> this, this was not a positive experience reading this issue or this storyline. This, this was not a good arc at no, all. It, it really um, wasn't worthwhile. Now, I will say the one thing that is of interest to me 
as far as something that can happen in the future is that Kaya. You know, I, I know at one point in time we were hoping that Cass would take up the Black Bat type mantle and moniker again, but it would be interesting to see if, if at some point in time she becomes a part of Ink and, and takes up that moniker. I did I, like her. Like I, as, did, as, I, did, I, did, I did like her too. I liked her. Yeah, as, as little as like Batman Ink was fleshed out, <laughs> he did seem to put a lot of care and attention on her, and I liked her and her interaction with Bruce. Yeah, agreed. But she didn't have a whole lot to do with this issue, which is why I wouldn't say that yep. was the thing I liked about this issue, other than seeing her sure. at the end. If you had to point to one element that you think really would explain why you think this this arc was so much weaker, uh, what do you think that element would be? <sighs> I'm trying to be vague as possible so you can go in whatever <laughs> direction you want. Sure, sure. So for me, what's important about even... You can have a bland story, and as long as your characters are interesting and have good banter and conversation, I'll love it. Like, Batman and Catwoman go on a double date to the to the carnival. That's it. That's the plot of Double Date or whatever, that, or the date or whatever that, that issue is called. And that was fantastic because of the banter. If you're not going to have banter, you're going to have to have interesting characters. And especially if you're going to have this many new characters, you need to make them interesting. And... The story just needs to, I don't know, it needs to be, to, how long is this? Three issues? Four issues? Four I don't issues. Remember. Four issues. Four issues. Like, I feel like you can, that's almost the size of a mini. Like, I feel like you should be able to tell a very good in-depth story in four issues. And they had characters I didn't care about. They had a story I didn't care about. There was no, there was no, what's the word? Stakes. And oh, and there was a villain I hated. Is a villain I hate beyond all villains. I hate Luther so bad. Every time he shows up, I just want to punch him in his stupid bald face. And and so yeah, if you got rid of the villain, the plot, and the characters, it would have been a great story. It would have just been Batman going to Bladania and making a new friend. That would have been great. Pitch to DC to add you to the universe just so that you can pop up. In issue after issue, just to punch the hell out of those that uh, you can Azrael, hire me to punch Lex any day. Azrael Pow, take Pow. Oh man, why are you guys hating on my boy John Ball? Lex <sighs> Luther, bam, take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get in line to punch Luther. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I just the storyline of I just did I just not I did not like the use of. Batman Inc. in this arc, considering considering their history and and you know those those two great volumes from Grant Morrison and I it just it just it it turned me off and and not fleshing things out you know didn't make it any better. You know, like I said, I do like the character of Kaya and that's about it. You know, Abyss can go and... Abyss is like a really, really boring 
color flip version of Ghostmaker. Really boring. You know, you know who remind reminds me of, and 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 I say this because I remember I can't even remember the character's name just to go and show how unimportant he was, and that was the the villain with the the stupid helmet in Detective Comics who read the first blood. victim. No, not the first victim. No, the one from um, the, 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 the the Brian um, Azarello. No. Oh, Brian uh, Hill. Ah, uh, Karma. Yeah. Karma. Yeah, just totally un, just totally forgettable. Yeah. I, I have, <laughs> I have no doubt that in a few years we're going to be talking about Joshua Williamson's first arc on Batman. And I'm gonna say, what was the damn character's name again? Because <laughs> it, it, it just there, there is nothing about there's nothing about this art that I care about to remember somewhere down the line. Like I said, unless they somehow bring back Batman Inc. and they include Kaya as Bat Bat. Yeah, Bat. I think that'd be pretty other, cool. Other than that, whatever. I completely agree. I think that the lack of depth on these characters, like it is, it is really not enough to just put characters on the page and then have them fight. Like all of these characters had such rich backstory and deep motivations and complex interactions with each other. And here they're like generic Batman friend guys. And and that's why when Batman says, you know, Club of Heroes, and they all reverse, and they're like, oh, we're all friends again, I'm just like, I don't feel anything, because there was no connection. I don't care about the way you've portrayed these characters, so the fact that they were evil just a second ago, and now they're good again, if I don't care about the characters, I don't care about changes you make to the characters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really that lack of investment in the central concept, because uh, I think that the Batman stuff is just really generic. He gets hurt, he has to fight, he fights through the pain, he's a big badass. And, okay, it's Batman, whatever. And and the fact that he doesn't even capture Abyss at the end is like, what? It, it just feels like a I real anti climax. He like, put a track on him and he chased him down, and then the guy just pushed. And then Batman's like, I guess I'll just walk home. I guess that's <laughs> it for me. <laughs> you gotta wait a second. I wasn't gonna chase him two times. You want me to chase him two times? You want me to do two things? Man, I called my lawyer if dialing the phone wasn't such a hassle. <sighs> okay. Yep, yep. I, I did not enjoy that. And lastly, we've talked a little bit about this. I think that we've all said that we're somewhat interested in the Batman annual. We're somewhat interested in whatever future idea he might Williamson might have with Kaya and investigating Lex Luthor's experiments. But are we more interested in Shadow War? Are we getting excited about that through this tease? Now, whether you're excited or not, based on other things, I'm talking about, did that one page do anything for your excitement? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know who the dude is with the armor at the bottom of the page there. And any other way you can say no. And then his helmet looks stupid. Was it Prometheus? Then, uh, I guess. I think it was yeah, Prometheus. Sure. Okay. And then the not red hood. <laughs> I'm I mean, like, yeah, know. no, it's definitely yeah, not red. I, 
at first I thought it was Peacekeeper One. <laughs> <until> I, <laughs> I am not a fan of new Deathstroke design. I'll agree with you guys on that for sure. Well, okay, it's okay. Can I tell you one thing that really kind of bothered me, and that was like super lazy? They just took screenshots of the other artists' comic books with the completely different art styles. So you've got like Janine's Luther, you have Janine's Batman, and then you've got you know whoever's doing Robin right now. Um, Love Melikov. Okay, Talia, Roz, and Robin. It's like, they don't even look the same. I don't know. That just, that irked me. That that did not get my hopes up for a good quality you're, book. You're talking about, you're talking about a publisher that have, that has taken complete pages out of one book and put it in another. Hell, they both have. The big two have both done that. Yeah, so, that's true. I, it, it, I mean, most recently, Marvel did it with X-Men, with Hox Pops. Page it out of one book and put it right there in the other. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not surprised. All right. Let's move on to something that I hope will be much more interesting to discuss. Uh, the backup. Uh, this is part three of three. They make good pets written and illustrated by Carl Kershaw. Lindsay, Maps's schoolfellow, tells the Kappa Frog Monsters to leave Batman and Maps alone, and tells Batman and Maps that she lost control of the monsters when she ran out of food. Batman calls in Jim Gordon, then drives Maps home, telling her to stay safe and not continue the investigation. Maps leaves her hair bow in the Batmobile, then heads back to Lindsay's house, knowing that the case isn't over. Her hair bow is actually Catherine Carlo, Clayface's daughter, one of Map's best friends from Gotham Academy. Catherine tells Batman where Maps has gone. Mia finds Lindsay's grandfather's dead body and is approached by the terrifying and huge Grandfather Kappa, who attacks her. Batman arrives, throwing the Grandfather Kappa over his head, and comforts the shaken Mia by calling her Robin. Later, as they sit by the lake, Catherine and Maps talk about their fears of death or losing a friend. Catherine asks Maps if she still wants to be Robin, given the darkness she saw. Maps thinks carefully, then smiles. So, I want to just start by saying, what was your reaction to this ending? Um, well, I first of all did not catch the flower girl. Like, now that you're saying it, Carlo, yes, of course. But is it Baz Carlo? Yeah. Yep. No. Yes? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a big uh, plot okay. point in the second arc of Gotham Academy. Oh, uh, see, I did. I only read the first one. Yeah. So that was a little confusing. Um, and then I didn't know why she left the flower there at all, which that was a little weird. But other than that, I, I liked it. I think it ended with a, an acceptable level of trauma for a little girl who is trying to be Robin without training and who thinks of life as a game. Not really. I really liked it. I don't think it ended how quite how I thought it would, but it was it was a satisfactory bow on the story. Well, dig into that a little for me. How did you expect it to end, and how is it different for you? Like I guess I didn't expect Maps to go in at it alone. And, like, this was a high-stakes thing. Like, 
people are disappearing and dying. <laughs> like, I feel like she should not have done that. I feel like she should have been smarter than that. But you can also get wrapped up in your own fantasy. Like, she's continuing. Like, like, as soon as the creepy dude shows up, her narration stops. Like, she, she realizes this is no longer a game. And so it was just a little weird that she kind of thought of it as, as a fun thing to do. And now it is no longer. So it's just, it was a little more somber, I think, at the end than I thought it would be. But I think that's okay. Like, little children should not be sneaking into monsters' lairs by themselves. I think this is a good lesson. Don't do that. Um, but overall, I, I did really much. I, I thought it was a good ending. It, it was a good ending to the story. I I am of the of the trio probably the one most lost because I have not read um, either either volumes of Gotham Academy. Don't kill me, Ian. I'm um, not gonna kill you. I just think you should read it like Steph should read uh, No Man's Land. Well, it'll, I'm pretty sure it'll. Probably be easier for me to get through Gotham Academy. And that's very true. It's, it's much shorter. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, you know, so definitely found out, you know, some different things with regards to some of the characters. Now, of course, you know, I've definitely had exposure to maps, uh, especially, you know, in, in talking to Ian a lot, knowing that that was one of his favorite characters. Um, but it was an okay story. It was a decent story. It was, and I know I said this in a previous episode, but it, it, it says a lot when you enjoy the backup story more than the main. And that has been the case uh, in this entirety, which is really unfortunate. I mean, I'm not... I don't think it's unfortunate that I enjoyed these backups that much. I think it is unfortunate that the main story was so much inferior to these backups. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been a great main story and good backups. You can have both. I would say I agree with, with what Steph says. I was expecting a much more lighthearted ending um, because Gotham Academy, it does have seriousness. It does have some real stakes, but on the whole, it has a very lighthearted atmosphere, and the story starts off in a very lighthearted way. But this goes goes really dark. There's at least two dead people, um, plus uh, a very scary monster. I do think there's a couple of things where I think this might have been better if uh, Kershaw had been allowed to uh, have maybe one more issue or done this as like a graphic novel because um, there's a couple things like how exactly did Batman beat the monster? Is the monster dead? Is the monster just incapacitated? Um, I think a, a longer discussion between Maps and Catherine about what was going on and Maps's mm-hmm. reaction, I think that would have been good too. But given that it was three 10-page backups, I think this does a really good job of capturing not just the lighthearted uh, and whimsical nature of Gotham Academy, but also some of that more serious and spooky supernatural side that it gets into. Um, and that last page of Catherine and and Maps talking... Um, it actually really it really touched me emotionally because, you know, Maps is a little girl. And I mean, she's like an early teen. I think she's like 13, 14 ish. But she's she's a girl who has had a pretty um, happy life. Uh, she's parents who love her, a brother who loves her, good friends. Um, and she's very just she takes life as it is and, and tries to make it better. And she's she's just witnessed real horror 
death and monsters and I really appreciated that she didn't just shrug it off, that she's really, she really has to think about it, but she also is still committed to doing the right thing. And I love her little smile at the end. And that, that's really what touched me is that she thinks seriously about it. She doesn't just brush it off. She doesn't just laugh. She thinks seriously. And it's a very serious moment. And then she smiles and it's, it's maps. And I thought that was really cool. So what would you give this issue of Batman out of five cop of frog monsters? Five cup of frog monsters. Oh, lordy, lordy. Lord have mercy on this episode or this issue. <laughs> well, no, don't. You can throw it in the garbage. <laughs> no, you, you cut oh, out God. the ten pages at the end and then throw it in the garbage. <sighs> Solely because of the backup. A, a two and a half. And that's like being super generous. Janine's art is still fantastic. But, uh, I was I was being kind and and saying that I would give it a two and a half, but I think I'm gonna go a notch lower and say two two five, or I'm going to do an old TV show and do two two seven. <laughs> two two five. Uh, I. I think if I had to rate just the main story, I'd give it like a one. I think the main story is just very weak. Um, the art is good, so that might raise it to like a one point. No, I don't think so. I think it'd still be a one, just because. But I, I think the backup lifts it into you know two point five territory. It is just good enough that I don't hate myself for having bought it for the backup. This has been a conspiracy. Would you two agree mm. on? Every single issue, and was, I rate from my soul. I will admit that I do tend to be influenced by you two. You all conspired against me on my return. This no, is there's no conspiracy. <laughs> it's just me being very suggestible. Steph is being very honest. I am very suggestible, which is why I'm glad I go first. Yeah, Steph goes first. If I had to go first, this would be a very different. It would be very good. Every time Theo gives his rating, I'm like, did I do it wrong? <laughs> I don't think I have ever seen this happen, where you all have agreed on every single... That is a little weird. I do tend to agree with Theo a little bit more than... than yeah, I'm a little than... hurt. Steph has been hurt my feelings. <laughs> Steph has betrayed you. <laughs> I'm sorry! I don't mean... It's Ian! Oh, Ian's not stopping me. I did... I, I, I hey, you I mean, cannot blame I, me on this. You guys both go before me. I think I'd rather go and work on a paper. <laughs> anyway, over on the website, Scott gave this a 2.5 as well, which gives us a triple mode of 2.5 and an he overall score. He just wanted score. his mode, Theo. Don't take it personally. And, uh, an overall score of 2.44. All right. <sighs> that wraps us up on reviews. Um, that was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, and we've got a Big honk in Greater Gotham today, so... We're just gonna speed through it. Thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral, or abstain. So, Dark Knights of Steel number five. Thumbs up, but I don't understand that ending. <gasps> thumbs way up. Way, way up. Abstain. <laughs> Batman Killing Time number one. Oh, I'm gonna be so controversial. Thumbs up. I really liked it. Oh, that's good. 
I know Ab- a lot of people didn't. <laughs> Abstain. Thumbs down. Um, Man, if you wanted timeline screws with your brain, <laughs> it's like it's like let me down my my time jumps to eleven. <laughs> the only way I pick this up is if if is if others give it a better grade for issue two because I I seen some of the complaints about issue one and so right now I'm not. Maybe you should listen to Steph. She likes it. I like. But there's a lot of things I've been liking lately that have been universally banned. <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> title is so Wait, bad. Catwoman or Catwoman? Catwoman. Catwoman. Wow. Um, Arkham City, Order of the World, number six, the end of the miniseries. Abstain. Abstain. Super, super, super thumbs down. They did my boy Jean-Paul dirty. Well, maybe I should have read it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'll wait for that to come out. Uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine. This is part two Um, of the crossover with Nightwing. That's why we're reviewing it. You know, I'd say neutral, but only because my expectations were pretty high. Abstain, but even if I had the opportunity to read it, I probably wouldn't. I probably would. uh, I'm sorry. I hate, hate, hate aged up John Kent. Just sorry. Not they sorry. do kind of rub it in a lot in this one. Thumbs down. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you expect? What do you expect? Batman Urban Legends number 13. Oh, thumbs down. They were all... Meh. Bleh. Or bad. I, it makes me wonder what... I'm, I mean, I kind of get why they're still producing this book, because it has led to some other series announcements. I but feel like it's sunk I, costs at this point. <laughs> I, 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 ever since we did not get the Outsiders story or the Outsiders book that we thought that we were going to get based on... And would be so much better than this crap they're doing. Uh, well, it's all I, over, isn't it? Wasn't, aren't they all over now? Like the current run? What do you mean? Outsiders? I weren't, aren't... I think, I think all four stories. No, not the, not the, not the Bruce one. Not the, not the. No, one, right? half of the stories are over, and half of them are continuing. Okay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, hey. I w- this w- this will probably this will probably this was this was the last Urban Legends that I ordered, and you know, as far as my pull list, so I am, yeah. Thumbs down. And I'm. <laughs> they're yanking me in because I have to find out if I'm right about the new Birds of Prey story that's coming next month. But this might start becoming an abstain for me. I just have not. I don't like it. I'll be, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. I'll keep an eye out for good stories in it. I'm not excited about this this tease of a of the Birds of Prey lineup. Although no, me neither. I, I am a huge Shiva fan, but. But why idea, why Birds of Prey? Why not just a Shiva story? Yeah, but the idea of Shiva and Katana, you know, leading Miracle Molly of all people. <laughs> That's such a weird combination. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I shall keep you updated. <laughs> okay. Uh, Batgirls number four. Oh, thumbs down. Thumbs down. I'm wavering between neutral and thumbs up. 
Um, I am Batman number seven. Uh, I did actually neutral. read this one. Neutral. Although I am liking Chubb and Whitaker. I really do like Chubb and Whitaker. But neutral, I think. Wait, uh, so it's not the same for me, but Chubb and Whitaker, I thought he was in New York. No, they brought him in. They brought them in. They they both got transfers to the NYPD. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I, um, love you. I love you John Ridley but it is a a neutral I, I want to give it a thumbs down but there was enough that I thought was interesting that I'm not yeah. going to go that far but it's it's on it's on the other end it's on the other end Future State Gotham number 11 <laughs> really but I think at this point it's just pure stubbornness okay I'm determined to like this book Oh man! Oh, I know Theo did not read it correct. What? Future uh, state. Uh, future state. God, no. <laughs> it's okay, a thumbs okay. down for me. What's his butt? Dick got his first hit of the psychotic drug that suddenly let him know all the answers to his question. And it was only two pages. Like if that part was more than two pages, I would probably give it a neutral. But this book is crap. Oh. <laughs> Psychic stuff. What? Yeah, I don't. It's He's it's the drug the, that, that he wants. Anyway. Spice from Dune. Oh gosh, I don't Wait, even know. It's what from who? The spice. It, it's from some Dune. kind of drug Talia got for him that's letting him know where Damien is somehow magically. Magic drugs. It's, it's silly. It's not. But good. I'm determined. I like this book. All right, the Joker number thirteen, second oh. last issue. A very respectful thumbs down. <laughs> Remind me what was in this issue. I can't remember if I read The big feast of people eating people. Oh, gosh. And Vengeance Vengeance is, like, just ripping body parts off left and right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna... I'm gonna give it a neutral only because I still think Vengeance is hot as hell. (laughs) But that's... That's about it. And the way she just tore through just killing everybody. So the family's all out there. They got their knives and they're all talking about how good she's going to taste on the grill. And she just only for Papa to show up at the end, which I still can't get over the idea that that Bane has been alive all this time. But whatever. Uh, I'm going to give it a neutral. Um, I really did not enjoy the cannibalism and there was not nearly enough Jim Gordon in this book, but James Tynan has earned an issue of grossness for me to... Now, if the ending is bad, then I'll give it a thumbs down. But the book so far has been really good. It was not a bad issue. Like, like it's still... The story is still kind of the same, but this one was just... It was real gross. It focused way too much on the cannibals and it was unenjoyable. Yeah, I, I know JT is into the horror thriller. Yeah. Thing. Also, I think that this is what we could, could expect from that uh, Sandman title he's doing. I hope not. That that, that I've read uh, uh, I've read some Sandman, you know, in the past, and and uh, yeah, I I would not want to see that in Sandman. I mean, you that's know. basically the the forty two hours or whatever it was episode. With the 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 um the audio episode, uh, I mean they did do an audio episode of it, but like there's an issue of the comic where a serial killer with mind control powers takes over a diner and 
makes everyone kill each other for like a whole day. Yeah. Um. Um. I don't want to see that. Um. Yeah. JT can pick. Keep the horror in something that's killing the children, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Department of Truth, and all that other stuff, and House of Slaughter. I don't, I don't, I don't want it in the pages of DC. I tend to agree. Um, to end with something a bit more upbeat, Batman and Scooby Doo, <laughs> Batman and Scooby Doo Mysteries Number Twelve. This is the end of this particular run. Uh, we haven't been reviewing this, but I someone mentioned what was going on in it, so I checked it out, and I said, we got to add this. Thumbs up. That was really cute. That was really cute. Abstain. I'm sorry, guys. I've just been in... Uh, we're, you're busy. We're just glad that you're able to be here with us. <laughs> it was a last second, second edition. Yeah. There's a whole lot I haven't read over the last month uh, so that, didn't, that didn't talk about... Um, you know, the Constitution and slavery and... Uh, Important history. things, you say. Important things. and the idea of memory and history. And if you want to know more, just hit me up. That <laughs> um, and Scooby-Doo is not a must-read. <laughs> it is not a must-read, but it is a really... It's just a really fun little book. And it's a book that shows its love for Batman and Scooby-Doo and the whole Bat family shows up and they're are well handled and all the villains show up and it's just it's sweet it's well done full full throated recommendation from me so the Scooby so so the Scooby and Ace and Titus get to hang out um you know, not Ace in this shows- issue I think, no, I think there was one panel. There was one panel, I think, where the two dogs got together. Oh, nice. Yeah, if that doesn't happen at any point in time, the comic is worthless. If well, I feel like that no, probably I'd happened sometime earlier. Because there's 12 the whole issues. Thing, the whole thing... The whole, well, I only read, read the last one. But I thought the whole thing was totally worth reading because uh, Shaggy is eating like a hot dog and Condiment King is putting like ketchup on his hot dog and they're having like a nice little conversation and Condiment King's like, yeah, I thought about switching over <laughs> to the good <laughs> side. That's, I mean, Shally Fish is just such a clever writer. He's a great guy. That was so great. All right. So with that pleasant ending to Greater Gotham, we are out of time. So we're going to move on to our Patreon and support. If you support us on Patreon at a certain level, we read your name on the podcast, and here we go. So, thank you to Lisa Slack, Ian Miller, Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz, Jessica Morales, and David Richards. Thank you all. You help us keep our archive of episodes on the on the server so that anyone who's new to the Bat Family, uh, the Batman universe, has a resource that they can check out and listen to the hosts, new and old. You make this possible. Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of this episode. Um, we're going to end Shadows of the Bat next time. Um, so that'll be really exciting. Until then, I've been Ian. This is Tiff. And this is the prodigal son. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.